I used to sit in the preschool in tears. People say to me all the time, you're a parenting expert because you've got six kids. And I'm like, well, no, I know plenty of people with lots of kids and they're not parenting experts at all. <laughs> doesn't matter which school they go to as long as they're being well supported at home because I will not be camping out <laughs> to get them into the out of area or the fancy private schools. From the news desk to the nursery, Mom! this is the Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Time to give mums and dads a platform, at least for the next 30 minutes. So we've invited two of our favourite parents into the studio who will be giving us their opinions on the topics making waves in the parenting world. And today we're chatting about the rules when it comes to how friends, families and others use photos of your kids, the parenting job you would outsource in a heartbeat, whether it's ever okay to be loud and proud about your favourite child, and finally, pregnant women who kick butt. Joining me to discuss these topics are Kerry Sackville, writer and author. Her latest book is out there, A Survival Guide for Dating in Midlife, and Grant Linden from Busy Dads, where he offers workshops for dads, everything from antenatal classes to fitness and meditation. Kerry Grant, welcome. Hello. Hello. And I promise we're, we're, we're not asking Kerry any dating questions because Thank her book has just launched <laughs> and she's been talking about it a lot. So much. It's a very good book, though. Okay, so we'll go and get it, but, but we just should, won't talk about it now. It, but we won't discuss it now. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Buy several copies. Yeah. Let's get into it. First up, how other people use photos of our kids. Look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. Oh, yeah, our eyes get so red. And what the hell is on Joey's head? Can, can I just say that I was peer pressured by the office millennials to use that song. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, it's not one of my favorites. Nickelback. Yeah. I mean, my Nickelback husband is supposedly been really, I don't know what the modern word for dag is, but I think Nickelback is really daggy. Oh, oh yeah. that's the Nickelback. Oh, no. I thought it was, yeah. do you remember the parody think, that went around of that song? The graph. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. At least that's the millennials thing. They said, how could you not have seen that? Yeah. I was. Oh, I you was were on right top of that. it, weren't I, you? Yeah, I read yeah, like that's, it's that. Not sure about dating. That that's a dating tool. Like if you look and see somebody likes Nickelback on their dating <laughs> profile, it's like swipe left. Exactly. <laughs> Leave the country. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. All right. Well, we won't go on that, Grant. <laughs> so this week, the ABC were exploring the question of what we can do if someone takes a picture of our child in public. And it turns out from their consultations with a lawyer that legally there's actually not a lot we can do if it's in a public place. So it made me think like it's one thing if a stranger takes a picture of your kid, I'm pretty sure my husband would go up and beat them up if they did that, you know, and there's nothing and he'd get in trouble. So I'm not advocating that. <laughs> but what I kind of saw, took from that was I think there's a much more intimate kind of everyday application of this problem. And that is that these days, um, there are photos of our kids everywhere. People are taking them on their phones. Um, they're all digital. And even if it's not, you know, maybe it's at a party, someone else's party, the parent takes a photo and they innocently upload it to Facebook, or it could be your daycare or your school. Um, they generally ask you permission. Or at an event where it's something that's assumed once you buy your tickets that it's okay if photos are taken of your kids. Mm. Um, now, parents, lots of parents sh sort of grapple with their own sharing habits, but I'm curious about what you do with others. Do you have rules and boundaries with how others use photos of your child? I mean, Kerry, I know this is a big thing for you. This because is huge. I could, I could rant on about this for a long time, and I'll try not to. I'll try not <laughs> to get ranty. I am really passionate about 
protecting kids' privacy online. Um, I'm in the media. I have never posted photos of my kids, not even on my private Facebook page. Um, I feel like um, I, I think kids have the right to to narrate their own lives, like to curate their own stories. And it's very hard to do when there's already a digital trail that your parents have created for you. So because I'm known for that, because I'm known for quite fiercely protecting my kids' privacy and protecting others, very few people would ever, certainly my friends would not post photos of my kids because they know. Um, The only times that my kids have appeared online is when they've been in a group photo at a party and the parent has posted it. And um, all I can do in that case is is I just untag myself from the photo. Um, I'm not going to make a big fuss about it. It would be very hard for, for other people to find them. But I would never post a photo of somebody else's child ever. Um, because, what about yeah. school and stuff? I mean, social yeah. media, I think, is one of those things that people are very aware of. But once your kids' photos online, um, it could go anywhere, regardless of whether it's Facebook or your yeah. school's newsletter. I mean, do you have rules around yeah, that as I well? Yeah, I do. And I have given permission for my kids' photos to be used um, at their schools and you do sign photos, sorry, sign um, permission slips. But uh, the schools have pretty stringent rules about where those photos will appear and they're only Mm. on the school newsletter or they're shared to the school Facebook page, which is only accessible by other parents. Um, And I'm that parent who, when my kids go on camps um, with other places, you know, whether it's a drama camp or a music camp or a sports camp, I'm the parent who says, no, I don't want my child's photo being used. Um, And so far there's been no problems with that. But... Um, I, I think very few people ask permission and I think it should be routine that we ask permission. Um, we ask permission of our friends if we take a photo of them. I would never say, okay, Chev, I've taken this photo of you. I'm just going to, you know, put online. I would always say, is this okay? Mm. Because, you know, chances are you'll look at it and say, well, you'd look at it and say, I look at radiant. (laughs) But other Mm. friends often, you 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 post an innocent photo, they're like, oh no, I look hideous. I want to change that. But we don't think to to include kids in that conversation. Mm. And we should because they're too young. So we have to, I think, make that decision for them until they're old enough to have their own social media. Mm. But that's Mm. my, I know I'm unusual in that. Well, Grant, uh, and I will, the the thing you've mentioned then about asking your friends for permission. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't. And um, uh, and it's interesting because we all have such different experiences with our photos and depending what you do and who your <coughs> family is or where they are and you have different ideas about what is acceptable and what's not. Mm. Um, Grant, I'm wondering what your experience is with your children because in a way, Busy Dad's part of what you're um, trying to show people is that you're a dad. Yeah. Um, I know that my children are all over the Kindling Kids radio website and I've struggled with that at different <clears> points <throat> as well. Yeah. Um, they're at a point now where I can ask them if they're okay with it mm-hmm. and then I'll say, if you're not okay with it, maybe mummy won't have a job. No, just joking. <laughs> just joking. I don't, I don't you that. To It'll be beans them. on toast yeah. for now. Your photo is worth food. No, yeah. but do you know what I mean? Like oh, sometimes 100%. that's tricky. I, I listen to what Kerry's saying and, and I think it's 100% valid and, and I, I subscribe to a lot of that on a values basis, but like the way that it plays out socially and who I am in social media is a very different story as well. And the first thing I hear on that too is that I know that your kids are considerably older than my kids as well. And, and I would but hate they to try when, and... they weren't when I started. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but the first thing I thought, yeah. you know, I was listening to that as well is that I would hate to try and manage my now three-year-old daughter's 16-year-old social life yeah. online. That would be... A nightmare, right? So, um, but it's funny because my my elder sister is a is a social worker for a big, well known body, 
and um, she deals with all sorts of levels of privacy and you know where that can go completely wrong and and south mm. and I for a period of my life I was a photographer as well and a portrait photographer you know and I love um, I love the innocence of photographing children and particularly in the nude, especially when they're your children. And in the very, very early days of Facebook, I would, you know, occasionally, not all the time, but occasionally posted nude photograph of my own child, you know, possibly from the side and all that and, and in beautiful light. And it was, it was a portrait, you know? Uh, and, and, and she pulled me aside and said, you just can't mm. How, as and you see it really innocently. And even kids in nappies, or even showing part of a bare body, you know, that stuff gets doctored and da, da, da. And I just really didn't think like that, you know. I, I, it wasn't in my awareness. And then I really started managing, you know, how my children looked in photographs and everything. And then, yes, slowly but surely, even more recently, I do ask, you know, not all the time, but I do ask uh, when not just photographs, but content, you know, if there's a video I've made of like a soccer camp or something, or I'll ask, you know, permission to put that online and all that kind of bizzo. So I, 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 busy dads is really all about sharing the family experience. And I'm really open about my family online and, and I'll run into someone in a doctor surgery and I'll go, Oh, you're busy dads. You know, and, and my child will be there go, dude, I love that wave you had the other day at Bondi or, or, or something. So they'll be able to talk about something of the like. And, and look, it might be a bit weird, but I suppose it's a choice that I've made and it's what I currently do and will adjust if necessary. And what about um, friends? So that idea of your friends and family would see how you post photos of your family. Yep. And so they therefore might think, well, how can he have a problem if I post it? Yep. Um, I think it's, it feels like it's a growing awareness for some people. Like you said, you didn't even think about it to begin with because mm, it wasn't mm. in your mindset. Mm. Um, but we seem to sort of grow and understand more when we're exposed to it. For example, I was told once, um, don't ever post a photo of your child in their school uniform. Mm. Um, Absolutely. So, and, and that was something that, you know, first day of school, the internet is awash with kids yeah. in their first and school there are, uniform. And, and I think what people don't necessarily understand how their social media trajectory is going to go. So, for example, when you started off, you know, you, you wouldn't have the, the following that you have now. And I've seen people who are, you know, bloggers who become quite prominent and their kids are so visible and their kids are mm -hmm. so easily identifiable. And anybody on social media knows we all have the occasional crazed fan, even those mm. of us with quite low profiles, mm. um, people who are really interested in us and our families. And it is so easy to go to that school and pick out that child. And there are children who are living in the media now whose parents have made a living from blogging or from... Um, being media personalities, and I think they're using the kids as as props and as as characters in their own narratives. And I don't personally, I don't think it's fair on on the children to give up that level of privacy to feed an adult's career. And I, I get that it happens all the time. And you're, so I'm not mm -hmm. criticizing you. I'm criticizing. I, I think the whole of social media is predicated on this idea that we all share all of our lives. Mm. And there's been no generation yet of children who have grown up in the media in this way, who've grown yeah. up on social media. And it won't be until that first generation of kids comes to adulthood and, and talks about how it affected them to to have, you know, tens of thousands of fans because mummy's a blogger or dad's a blogger. 
Um, yeah, it's, I, I think you know. I think you know. I'm really interested to see that as well. You know, like the full, the first full blown. You know, our kids having their kids with that digital, you know, timeline as well. The other thing too that I think about is that you know when when um, social media started and Facebook started, it was almost like that same feel of the college friends finder thing, you know, and it was more intimate and it was more, you know, you'd only be friends with people who were your friends as opposed to now it's the opposite of that. You've got people friend requesting you, you know, all the Russian ones as well. But um, (laughs) none of us could have foreseen how that would work Exactly. How could we? Exactly. Mm, I think it's, it's we'll we'll revisit it in 10 or 20 years. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Siobhan Hunt. You're listening to the parent panel on Kindling Conversation, where we invite two parents into the studio to get their thoughts on the story and events of the week. Today I'm joined by writer and author Kerry Sackville and meditation and parenting coach Grant Linden from Busy Dads. Next, the parenting job you would outsource if you could. Kids are being conversation. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. I really need a webcam in here. Guys are stellar dancers. (laughs) So not every part of parenting is sunshine and rainbows. Uh, Nappy changing, for example, is a necessary parenting job. And one that still made my husband gag after the second child was nearing the end of using nappies and he was about two metres away. So now there's a nappy changing service called Nappy 999 in the UK and it's offering to change nappies for the equivalent of about $9 a nappy. And although I think this is a ridiculous concept, I'm wondering what parenting job you would outsource if you could. Um, a couple of people from our audience say, oh, so do... do Delia, Delia, sorry, says, seriously, it's not that bad. Kitty litter is way worse. And Marissa says, joke or no joke, they hire people to potty train their children in England. LOL. So, I don't know. What do you think, Kerry? Was there a job that you would outsource? I say I use flushable kitty litter. Oh. So I just tip it straight down the toilet. You can't really do that really? with an entire nappy. Oh, yeah, it's magic. Um, <laughs> you know, you know I, I discovered way too late in the piece because my my two older kids had lice constantly for about a year. They just kept getting it from each other and from other kids. And in the end, I got my son's head shaven because he has really thick hair. And uh, like yours, Grant, but no one can see Grant's hair. It's really thick and luscious. (laughs) Um, So I shaved my son's head just to get rid of it. I couldn't with my daughter. And I later found out there are services that will delouse your kids, which I think is genius. You take them like to a hairdresser and they do that hideous kind of hour or two sitting and Will they wash your... I don't know if they wash all your stuff, but yeah. they do. The hard part is getting the child to sit there and the child's like, ah, oh, mommy, you're hurting. And you're going through with a microscope and a Because I love home. you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that I think is genius. And, and if it had happened, you know, more recent times, I would have used that for sure. Oh, totally. Oh, that's a hot topic in our home. Like we had, you know, I think four really solid cases of nets in the last 12 months, right? Oh, darn. And, and <laughs> I no longer want to put my fingers in your hair. Well, previously, (laughs) I didn't get them ever. But previously, uh, we just shaved the boys' heads. Yeah, They grow back. They've got nice faces. (laughs) And then the last time, and I'd get roused on by their mum, you know, as well. But the last time, I thought, you know what? They've got such beautiful hair at the moment. I'm going to just do it, you know, the combing, do the combing way. 
got in there, did the elaborate combing. Two days later, did another, uh-huh. you know, treatment and did the combing and everything. And then they got into the cupboard in the laundry and got, uh, and they were going to come to work with with me my, one morning. And I said, like my mother would say, you're representing the family. Make sure you look nice. <laughs> right? Oscar comes into my room while I'm getting ready and says, dad, can we use some hairspray? I said, mate, for sure. No worries. Comes down. And then I walk down the hallway. Harlow is in the... Uh, in the shower crying with a, a brush stuck in his hair saying, oh. he said it was hairspray. He oh. said it was hairspray. Got to the other one. <laughs> Had to shave their heads. They used industrial strength glue oh. as hairspray oh my God. after I'd just <laughs> done, oh done no. the comb. And you're like, why did I do that? I'm just going to shave oh. your head I, anyway. I had to take them to the barber to shave them because our clippers couldn't get under the glue that oh, was on the scalp. God. Oh, that's brilliant. Anyway, so I that's really align story. with you there. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes, I do. But what I was thinking... You, you also know, need to go to the hairdresser for every styling emergency because <laughs> clearly your, your kids can't be trusted. Oh, my God. And, and they so had funny. industrial strength clippers. Yeah. But the other thing, too, for me was managing homework and oh, instrument yes. practice. And like I, I'm a yeah. musician and started life as a musician, so I love being around and seeing how they going and I'm able to help them with their practice but it is that it's it's a similar thing the yeah. whinging from the combing to the whinging to the do I have to do the homework sort of and thing, a lot of know? schools do have homework clubs now which I think is a great idea where they just stay at school for an extra hour after school and, and they, they do it in they aftercare have, yeah they do it in aftercare yep. and supervised they homework. don't do it in aftercare at my school yeah, yeah. no they need to yeah I, they that's do that's a great one yeah so anyway that'd be homework. my thing you know I, I didn't know I couldn't think of what one they would be and both of you have yeah. stellar examples of parenting <laughs> jobs I would outsource Knits and reading homework. Yeah. yeah All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. There you go. <laughs> You're listening to the parenting panel. My guests today are Kerry Sackville, writer and author. Her latest book is Out There A Survival Guide for Dating in Midlife, and Grant Linden from Busy Dads, where he offers workshops for dads, everything from antenatal classes to fitness and meditation. Up next, is it ever okay to proclaim you have a favorite child? Hello. Just a quick note before we get on to the next topic. Are you a working mum trying to work out how other women manage it all? The Mother Shift is a brand new podcast series revealing what's really going on behind closed doors when we're busy juggling work and family life, not to mention taking care of ourselves. Hosted by journalist, mum and guest on the parent panel, Jacinta Tynan, the Mother Shift couples expert advice with relatable and unfiltered stories to try and help you figure out that puzzle of modern motherhood. After this episode, make sure you go and check out The Mother Shift. There's even an episode where I dive into my own personal story. Woohoo! Okay, now let's get back to the parent panel. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favourite things. A woman in the UK has been interviewed on national TV saying that she has a favourite child. Alicia Tierney March is the mum of four children, and she told this morning hosts that her third child was her favourite, who's about two years old, which I find fascinating in itself because two-year-olds can be <laughs> horrific. She received a lot of flack for it online. She points out, however, that she tells her children that she loves them equally. Apparently, she did this before she went on national TV. 
Is that fair enough? I mean, we might love all our children equally, but that doesn't mean we like them all equally. Or <laughs> you sound like my mother. Or is she? <laughs> or is she damaging her kids for life? Kerry, what do you think? I don't think there's any of us who who watched that interview who thought that's a really good idea. <laughs> And I actually feel a bit sorry for her because I know how the media works and I'm sure that they were just looking for someone to, to come and give a, yeah, an interview saying they have a favourite child and her yeah. life is going to be destroyed now. I, I think there are times definitely when one of my kids is just more fun to be around or easy to be around. Um, but what I do is I get around that by I, I go up to all three of my kids at different times and whisper in their ear, you're my favourite, don't tell the others. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems to work really well. I've <laughs> been doing it for years. And they all oh, they're and special. They all, yeah, and they do. How but looks one, can change from thing, daggers to love. Yeah, but the funny thing is my, my middle child is just the sweetest, kindest person. And, and you know, when I started doing that too, she'd look at me and say, Mum, you you're not allowed to say that. I said, okay, just don't tell the others. And she said, I mean, they all caught on eventually. I, I was, was going to say, you know, they, but when, they, when they're older and they're all sitting around and they've just gone out for dinner and you're yeah. not there, they'll say, hey, I know, God. I know. You know Mum yeah. used to say. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's um, how I get around the whole thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and what about you, Grant? You've got four. Yeah, it's funny, like, you know, uh, you, you do have favourites for certain times and that yeah. point of who's the easiest, yeah. you know, like, because it's, it gets quite mad in our house, you know, with the kids being so close together at, at both ends, you know, for me, it is about that. It's who is the easiest is my favourite at the time, you know, and it's funny because my eldest just wants to be me, you know, it's, <laughs> it's so gorgeous and adorable. And flattering. And, and flattering. Yeah, but look at your hair, and, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and he never got nits. He yeah, never right. like that. He never have nits. Great face for radio. <laughs> and and so with he, with him, you know, it is really, really easy because all I have to do is look at him and say I'm really disappointed with him. <laughs> and, and, he and he's into a world of shame, right? <laughs> and, and I don't do it deliberately to do that. Not that exploits that ever, clearly. <laughs> but it's like the more challenging ones, like even my littlest two-year-old at the moment is being super challenging. He's pushing boundaries like nobody's business, right? And But when I have some time with him one-on-one -on -one and he's in that beautiful space of not having to compete or show off or prove, you know, and then he's just hanging out and we're just being, and it's like he can easily be my favorite. Do you know what I mean? And when they show you that behavior, so it's almost like the one that shows the most resistance in lining up with your expectations that then shows you just a <laughs> glimmer of that that beautiful behavior could possibly be more your favorite because it's a greater contrast. Do you know what I mean? So... Yeah. And so, have you, I mean, when we talked about this in the office, not all of us have kids, but what, what kind of got us all talking was whether or not we thought there was a favorite in our families yeah. and how that impacted the way we felt. Um, and the interesting thing for me is that my parents are about the most fair people you could ever meet in your life. Like they would never overtly show favoritism. And yet I am convinced that my sister, the middle child, is Absolutely, my mother's favourite, and she'd probably be horrified to hear that. I've told my sister that millions she's of heard times. It now. Well, she, well, that's if she's listening, Mum. Yeah. Um, and, and if she doesn't hear, clearly it's proving your point. Because if your sister favorite. did a podcast, she would be listening. She'd be listening. That's my point. And <laughs> totally. I'm just wondering, though, in you know how we were parented often. Uh, impacts the way we feel about these sorts of things. And I'm mm. wondering if you had any experience in as you were growing up in terms of thinking 
there was a favourite or not a favourite and how you wanted to parent in turn. Mm, mm. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I grew up with one sister and I never felt that either of us were favourites, but she was very ill for a long, long period of time, from the time she was about 14 and she died when she was 37. Um, but I was always very conscious of the fact that growing up with a, a sister who had serious health problems and required so much attention from my parents that sometimes I felt... Um, that there wasn't room for me to be able to have issues or problems or, or health concerns. And I know my parents did their absolute best to to um, make me not feel that way, but that's just how you feel. And so mm. part of what drives me with my three kids, and one of them um, has some quite specific needs and then the other two have very different needs, but um, I'm always very conscious of giving each of them yeah, quality attention and making sure that one isn't getting more than the others. And the difficulty is, of course, that my, my middle child, who's the easiest, I suppose, who's, who's um, the least high maintenance, I worry she'll miss out. So then I, I kind of come in and give her more attention because I want to make sure it's not uneven. Yeah, so yeah. I, th- I think we are, we're, we're all very highly motivated by what we perceived in our, in our childhoods, whether or not that was true at all. Mm. Mm. Grant, what about you? Oh, I, 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 I probably Were you the favourite child? I was child? the favourite, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was just the, looking yeah, going, why am I asking? He's boy, obviously I the Well, I was the youngest and the only boy. Yeah. Oh, there so, you go. Um, what was it like being the favourite child? Uh, you know, and, and it's funny because I... His skin glows, his hair shines. It was great. <laughs> what do you think? Well, it's, I, I think because my sister's... My elder sister was ridiculously independent, you know, and she was working almost full-time in every spare hour in jobs before she even graduated from high school. And she transitioned into what we perceive as being adult life seamlessly, you know. Um, but she did have that, you know, first child sort of world on the shoulders thing. So all the, all the skullduggery that went down with my big sister that I was completely aware of and sometimes dragged into, right, was just so – no one would ever think that of her. Yeah. You know, she was that person, right? Yes. So. Uh, her attention was different. Her, her, the attention she got was for achieving, you know, and all that stuff and excellence. And, and my middle sister, um, you know, similar thing, you know, she kind of got attention for all sorts of reasons. And, you know, she got in as trouble, much trouble as I did, you know, and I was, I was terrible. And, you know, (laughs) at school, I, I nearly got kicked out of school four times and I uh, teachers hated having me in there. I got kicked out of Grant, meditation teacher. I know. Well I got kicked out of class before, you know, as I walked in, you know, (laughs) a lot of the time. So uh but then it it kind of strengthened that relationship with my mother because mum was the 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 youngest, not the only girl. She had many sisters and a big brother. But she always used to say to me, don't try it. I wrote the book and, and I, to her and I clashed so massively because we were so alike, you know, and, but that also on the flip side created a really, really strong bond, you know, and, you know, I suppose I got away with a lot more as well as got a little bit more attention and so. Do you still get it now, Grant? My my mum's not with us anymore, but, um, but yeah. Until you've, you've, until you've a couple it. of years ago, yeah, yeah. So in my, but just quickly, my family, you know, it kind of it oscillates a lot, you know, and because we're blended, you know, I got two from my previous marriage and two from you know our setup now, and and we try and deliberately we don't use the word step or or anything like that in our family, and I think the kids do a really good job themselves 
of doing that that blend and that bind and 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 I'm really proud of them for doing that for themselves mm. but um that's a big step I imagine that would factor into it as well in yeah. terms of wondering who's the favorite exactly you're listening to the parent panel we'll be back after this short break with a very important topic pregnant women who kick butt <laughs> Recently, rapper Cardi B has copped some flack about falling pregnant just when her career was about to take off, and she basically shot down all her critics with a fiery performance at Coachella last weekend, following in the footsteps, I would say, of Beyonce's amazing 2017 Grammys performance. If you remember, she was heavily pregnant with twins, wearing gold and just strutting the stuff all over the stages only. Beyonce can, not to say that we can all look like Beyonce when we're heavily pregnant, but you know, there are a few things women can do when they're pregnant that is pretty impressive. And Carrie, I'm wondering, was there anything you thought of that was worthy of applause that you did during pregnancy? Yeah, I tell you what, there is one thing. Uh, when I was pregnant with my second child and she was born five days short of my son's second birthday, we were living in a house that was built into the cliffs and it had 67 steps to get up to the house. And we didn't get a lift, an elevator, until I was, I think, uh, 38 or 39 oh, weeks pregnant. So I was carrying an 18-month-old from you know 18 months to two while I was heavily, heavily pregnant. Um, I'm going to clap for you now. If there wasn't I, anyone there, and you that, well, I'm and, there too. And I can tell you, I actually lost weight during that pregnancy. <laughs> oh, no. And my legs got really You're tired. You're tiny as it is. Oh, I can't imagine. That was, uh, that was probably the hardest my body has ever worked ever. Wow. And I think that's worthy. Yeah, that is totally worth it. Yeah. I mean, yes. I'm not, I wasn't usually a, like a particularly inspiring pregnant person for the other, <laughs> the other pregnancies, but for hey, that, yeah. Hell yeah. Well, well yeah. done, Carrie. I'm raising my fist. You can't see. But like. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, what about you? I mean, uh, your partner or any other women that you've seen do something incredible whilst pregnant? Yeah. Um, I mean, Nessie was amazing. You know, she, she runs her own business and has a creative life as well and, and was in that business working physically and, you know, running the business and everything until, you know, very, very close to game time with both kids. Um, I, I do have some friends, you know, it's, for me, it's, it's a very, I find it's, it's relative to the pregnancy. Some pregnancies just absolutely flog you and the whole thing's just like Everest every day, you know, and some pregnancies, people ain't no thing. You know, at one stage I thought it was a personality thing, but it's not because someone who's an absolute dynamo in one pregnancy on the next one, that was like, whoa, you know, where's the, want to put a bean bag down everywhere I go, Mm. right? Instead of lifting shopping up 69 stairs in a cliff face. (laughs) Holy moly. So yeah. The cliff face. Exactly. It was, in, it was built into a cliff. Yeah. yeah. So it was 67 steps, like up into the sky. Counted them every time. Every right. time. <laughs> With a teeth clench. And you know what? When you, like when you leave your phone in your car, it stays in your car. <laughs> You're not going back down to the car. So does the milk. Yeah, so does everything. We You're having cottage cheese tomorrow yeah, and liking it. We didn't eat for months, you know. <laughs> didn't leave the house. But I, did, I worked with a chef once and uh, she was heavily pregnant all the way until um, like 
you know, pretty much put her knives down and, and went into labor. Put knives down on her stomach, like rested. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And put she the was down on the stomach. She, she was such a she was unbelievable. It was like, you know, that classic example of had more energy, you know, almost and more dynamism, you know, and and it was just and if everybody wants to be around a pregnant woman. I, you know, I, I kind of am always attracted to working with them and everything because it just there's so much, you know, hormonal energetic. <laughs> Positivity, positivity going right. on. When I think back to being heavily pregnant, I just remember varicose veins and hemorrhoids. Uh, <laughs> I just have a very different recollection, but maybe I looked like Beyonce. I didn't feel like I, her. I but, bet you yeah. did. I mean, and yeah. and we, it must be said that even though these are incredible things to do, hats off to anyone who's pregnant that picks something up off the ground. I just gotcha. think pregnant women shouldn't have to pick anything up off Agreed. the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and just getting through the day. I actually think the hardest thing, I think, I think, for pregnant women who have small children, for any pregnant woman, because when when you're first pregnant and it's just you and your stomach, it's yeah, you know, mm, it's mm. hard, it aches and pains, but it's really not that bad. But then the pregnant women who are then dealing with their toddlers or their other young kids or um, more than one kid, they're the they're the true heroes. I yeah, think. Mm, I think mm. so. Well, hats off to them, and it's a good place to wrap us up for the week. Grant Kerry, thank you so much for coming in again. Thank Such you. A joy. Always a pleasure. That was Kerry Sackville, writer and author. Her latest book is out there, A Survival Guide for Dating in Midlife. And Grant Linden from Busy Dads, where he offers workshops for dads, everything from antenatal classes to fitness and meditation. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review and share it with your friends. The Parent Panel, new episodes every Friday.